0: Hey guys, welcome to the Legally Armed America High Capacity Podcast. I'm, of course, Paul Glasgow, and I'm here to bring you a vulgar display of common sense. Guys, right now we have Hurricane Florence that is barreling down on the East Coast. Now, I live down here in Southwest Louisiana, uh, specifically Lake Charles, Louisiana. And of course, we get our fair share of hurricanes all the time. Uh, Last year, about this time, Hurricane Harvey was hitting us. If you remember, Harvey went up uh, hit uh, excuse me the uh, Corpus Christi area, made a circle around Houston and came back around then hit went over and hit Lake Charles, one of the craziest things first time i 've ever seen a hurricane on land actually perform a loop. It looped Houston after it made landfall, came back out into the Gulf, and looped back around and hit Lake Charles so we are very familiar with this, so our hearts go out to the people of the east Coast, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland. Everybody over there that's going to be experiencing these things, it, it, it's tough, especially as these these storms and these hurricanes get closer because uh, people kind of lose their minds a little bit. Um, people are fueling up, stocking up. Um, unfortunately, there's some unscrupulous businesses out there that tend to get involved in some price gouging. So usually price gouging laws uh, go into effect. But, uh, I mean, you guys know all that. You see that. You watch the news. You know what's going on. What I'm here to talk about is the the weapons side of it. It's a side of hurricanes and storms that involve evacuations that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, it's not talked about often, in fact, uh, even amongst you know, routine and regular gun guys. It's usually not talked about because when we get to the point where we are preparing our families to evacuate, rarely do we have conversations about these things with our buddies. Usually, it's family time at that point, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, it's like, you're just basically thinking for your family. So I, I hope I'm not too late because I know the hurricane will be making landfall tomorrow, the next day, I believe. Uh, so I hope I'm not too, too late, but I'd like to put this out there as a little bit of advice for those of you that might be preparing for some evacuations. I know there's some mandatory evacuations in place already. Um, so I'm going to try to go ahead and uh, get on with my list of things that I recommend. Uh, pretty much hurricane preparedness is what I'm looking at, uh, but this this really applies to any kind of evacuation, obviously, for a natural disaster. Uh, first and foremost, I believe, unfortunately, in the climate that we live in and the world that we live in today, you have got to be prepared. If you're going to hit the road with your family, your responsibility to protecting your family does not end just because you're bumper to bumper in traffic with a bunch of people. Um, I think it's very, very important that we keep that responsibility. I mean, obviously you're exercising it whenever you're evacuating, right? You're trying to keep your family safe. So there's not just one form of safety. It's not just protecting your family from that actual hurricane. It's protecting them from people that might seek to do you harm. I'm going to tell you what I've noticed over the years, the many hurricanes and storms and different types of things that we've been involved in. Um, criminals do not respect the fact that you fear for your life from a natural disaster, and they are willing to risk their own lives and their own personal safety in many cases to either do you harm or take what you have worked for because they know you are leaving the community. Whenever Hurricane Rita hit us back in 2004 down here in Southwest Louisiana, it was the most devastating hurricane to ever hit this area, decimated our, our entire area. Um, we didn't have electricity for two weeks. Think about that. Two weeks without electricity. That's unheard of in the modern era to not have electricity for that long. But that's because this hurricane had just destroyed the infrastructure that was our utility system. There were bad elements all over the place that were trying to rob people. There were people who stayed behind to rob and loot. I remember one of the uh, things that happened was there was a drugstore down on one of the main streets over here. And as some looters approached the drugstore to break into it and steal pills, they immediately saw these red dots dancing around on their chests. And they looked at each other, could not figure out what the red dots were until they realized that they were lasers. From, I don't recall if it were SWAT guys or National Guard or what, But there were lasers from people who anticipated this bad element uh, going out there and not trying to help their fellow brother, but rather out there to try to help themselves and steal things. These people had, had anticipated these thugs going out there and doing their thing. And they had lasers from their armed weapons trained on these people. And these red dots were lasers dancing on their chests. So these guys quickly got the message. But you can believe all they did was redirect their attention to somewhere else. That's my point, guys. Um, even though natural disasters, and look, I'm talking to you on 9-11, you know, disasters. period that affect all of us. Even though most of us are brought together by those things, I mean, we really are. I mean, we, a lot of times we'll put our differences aside, our political differences whatever type of difference you may have with your neighbor, um, people down the road, people in the next community over, you kind of put those aside because we're all in this together. Unfortunately, it's not all of us in this together. And that's the thing that you got to watch out for. Um, You cannot completely let your guard down. Yes, I think you still need to be willing to extend a helping hand to your brother and your neighbor and your friend down the road and the stranger down the road. But I think you have to be diligent enough to still be aware of your surroundings and the type of people you're coming in contact with and never let your guard completely down. I don't care who you're helping or who's helping you. Never let your guard completely down. Still realize that you are responsible for you and your family's safety at that point. And don't just leave it up to chance or to, to, to whatever else to protect you in that type of situation. You should still have your guard up. Um, choosing a weapon. All right, I think it's important that you choose something. Think about the caliber, okay? Not everybody has a full arsenal of weapons, so I get that. If you have the flexibility to be able to choose your own weapon, I would choose very, very common calibers. You don't know how long you're going to be away from your home if you are evacuating. And if somebody else, let's say you need ammunition for whatever reason heck, I don't know, maybe you need to go, maybe you have to hunt. You don't know how long these, nat- how devastating and how long these nat- natural disasters will ha- will take place and happen uh, or last for them. So for whatever reason, you may need that ammo. I would pick a very common caliber. I would pick a nine millimeter. That's going to be very common in handguns and obviously carbines. There are a lot of carbines, modern carbines are coming into that same caliber now uh, as the PCC class is beginning to really, really grow. If you're gonna pull a shotgun, I would take a 12 gauge. That's an extremely common caliber right there. Um, that's the best one I would recommend. 22, believe it or not, 22 long rifle. That's an extremely popular caliber, and 5.56. Five, to me, those are the, the most popular four calibers. Of course, I know, there's guys out there that are gonna say, oh, I okay, 45 all the time. I get that there's other calibers, I get that. I'm telling you the most common calibers out there, statistically speaking. Again, nine millimeter, 22 long rifle. and 12 gauge in a shotgun. So those are the calibers I would kind of focus on. You know, I'm not saying only take one. You take whatever you can take. Um, I wouldn't pack so much of it that you leave behind water and maybe your kid, but uh, you leave room for all those. But I would certainly pack enough. Uh, And you never know. Look, guys, you might actually use that ammo for bartering. Let's say somebody else, let's say you run out of gas and you have to trade bullets You know, some people might, you may be surprised, maybe Billy down the road, instead of stocking up on a thousand rounds of ammo and only five gallons of gas, maybe he stocked up on a hundred gallons of gas and only 50 rounds of ammo. So now you might be the one that is a beneficiary of needing that fuel and use that to barter with, to trade with. Uh, Let's remember that gas station will be shut down also so that you can do some things with some of the ammo that you might be bringing also outside of shooting it. You know, let's hope you don't actually have to shoot it. But it's nice to know that you're pulling um, a caliber that you're going to be able to find common ammo with. Um, I also think that it's extremely important that once you decide what you are going to leave with, that you do a very quick, and I know your focus is on getting things together and piled in a vehicle to leave. But I think it's important that you do your your investigations and focus on the uh, concealed carry laws out there. If you're leaving one state and going to the next, make sure there's some reciprocity out there that's going to protect you if you're a concealed carry holder. Also, it's not just concealed carrying. It's actually possessing that firearm in your vehicle. If you're up there right now in those Carolina areas right now, remember, there are some goofy state laws the farther north you go. So if you're trying to evacuate either inland, I think inland you're going to be okay because most of those states have pretty good gun, gun laws on the East Coast from, you know, if you go west of the Carolinas, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Uh, most of those reciprocate for the most part. And they also have really good laws as far as traveling with, with uh, firearms in your, uh, uh, in your vehicle. Um, however, the further north you go, be careful. You know, you start getting into, uh, I don't know what the laws are up there, but I know some of those states get a little bit more liberal and progressive up there, and they have some goofy laws. Be aware of that. Be aware that if you've got family or friends that you're going to stay with for a short period of time until the storm blows through, be aware of what their laws are. Don't just use the excuse that, well, I was evacuating. I didn't have time to check. Well, the law enforcement's not going to care at that point. Um, so, you know, the storm's not hitting them and they might may not be quite as sympathetic to your calls that you are an evacuee. So please check into your laws. Make sure there's some uh, reciprocity laws that might cover you. And again, riding in your vehicle type laws, very, very important. Storage in the vehicle. Okay, if you are um, evacuating, I would recommend a couple things. Let's start with ammunition first. Your ammunition, make sure it's dry. I know that goes without saying, but make sure it's dry. Don't put it in a Rubbermaid container that's strapped down on the roof of your vehicle because you and I both know, no matter how good something is supposed to seal, if you put it on top of, the, of a vehicle, and you expect it to stay dry with 70 mile an hour winds hitting on top of it, water is going to find its way into it. So that goes for everything you want to keep dry, but we're talking specifically about ammo at this point. So you definitely want to keep that ammo dry. Um, I recommend putting them in Ziploc bags. You can get those big gallon Ziploc bags and just drop the whole box into it. If you want to save a little bit of room, you can take the the ammo out of the box and just dump the ammo straight into the, um, uh, the Ziploc bag. If you do that, keep it separate. Don't dump all your ammo into one, especially if you're dumping, dumping some rounds that are very similar. Don't dump 380, 9 9mm, and 40, uh, 40 Smith & Wesson all in the same Ziploc bag. Keep them in separate Ziploc bags. And if they are in very similar calibers that you can't easily tell apart, like, say, a 9mm and a 45 caliber, you definitely want to mark those bags. Mark them if you have to, color code them. Uh, sometimes, you know, the, the markings either get smudged or they're hard to read in low light situations, if it were me, get you some some colored uh, either duct tape or some kind of a colored label, and then write it on there. also write it on the bag as a backup system because that sharpie using a sharpie on a ziploc bag is going to it's going to stay on there, but I would color code it to where a quick glance is going to tell you what you have and it's going to draw your eye to what that cat where that caliber is written on that particular bag so really, really important to try to keep that ammunition dry um, also if you are using it to barter and you have a guy that has a five-gallon uh, uh, container of gasoline that you want to trade 50 rounds of ammo for, I'm just using an example, I haven't done the math, but let's say that's what you're trading for, and you go and pull your Ziploc bag out of your Rubbermaid container on top of your vehicle, and it's dripping water out of it, he may not. He may turn around and walk off with his gasoline. So understand the repercussions of not only that is that ammo probably not going to fire if it's not crimped and seated properly, but you could miss out on something that you need from a bartering standpoint if that was your intention. Um, The gun. Okay, storage of the gun. Look, guys, anybody out there that doesn't know me is going to know that a gun doesn't do you much good if it's not on your person. I wouldn't be storing one unless I brought more than I could carry. If you are leaving with a gun, do your best to wear it. If it's legal for you to wear it, wear it. If it's legal to open carry and you don't have concealed carry, open carry. In some cases, that's going to keep people that might want to be a little tricky, it's going to keep them away from you. Nobody wants to get shot. You hear the arguments all the time, "Oh, if you uh, if you're uh in a situation where they see that you've got a gun, you're the first person they're going to shoot." Come on, man, really. You know, there's that there's very few assassins out there that are looking for a guy carrying a gun that they want to kill first. I'm talking about some bum that wants to just rob you. Some guy that wants to scam you. Somebody that is not trying to seek to do you physical harm, but somebody that's just trying to rip you off. They don't want to be shot, not over a simple scam over 20 bucks. Those people are going to avoid you. So if you have the opportunity to open carry, uh, probably not a bad idea. If you if you're a concealed carry holder, concealed carry, nothing wrong with that either. But if you if you don't have your concealed carry, I would find a way. To keep your weapon on your side, and if the only way to do that is to open carry, I feel like that's a very acceptable time for you to be open carrying, no matter what. Now, if you're storing your gun in, a, if you're if you're not carrying all your guns or whatever gun your guns you're bringing on your person, if you're going to somebody's house, if you're going to a hotel, um, we'll talk about a shelter in a minute. If you're going to all of those places, bring the guns inside with you. If you're going to a hotel definitely bring those weapons. Don't leave them in your vehicle. Do not leave those, those weapons in your vehicle. If you're, same thing if you're going to a friend's house. Bring them inside. You know, do not leave them out there. You're just running the risk of somebody seeing a strange new car uh, out there or at the stake of a hotel. Just, it could be a bad neighborhood that you're just not familiar with that neighborhood, and they could bust that window and take those weapons and be gone with it. Not only that, now all your stuff gets ruined inside, and then you you're, have this guilt feeling that somebody's going to use that gun in a crime. So do yourself a favor. And take those guns in where you can. Now, if you're going to a public shelter, say like a civic center or a convention center or something like that in a town where there's cots set up, that's a totally different ball game. You have to get creative thinking there. You know, maybe you run that risk of, of, of uh, that gun being left behind in your vehicle and locked up. But well, I'll tell you the way I look at it. I have often th- thought about situations like that. If I ever had to leave a gun to where even though it was locked up, it was still technically unattended. What I would recommend doing, and this is totally up to you, and if you're capable of doing this, I would take the slide off. Just take the slide and the barrel with you. That way, all that's left behind is a frame. It's not a usable gun. Um, or you just take, take one of the major components. Let's say if it's a 1911, you know, maybe you take the frame and the barrel with you. Um, that way, it's not a full gun. My point to that is, you're not bringing a full gun with you. Um, it's not an operatable gun. So if you happen to get stopped, uh, you got a piece of a gun. You know, if you're, if you're in a convention center or a civic center where you're, if they don't, now I would ask and see if you can have a, a gun in there. Most likely they're going to say you cannot have a firearm in there. If they can't, then bring a part of the gun in there because most likely, as long as you don't hide it to where it still looks like a gun, as long as when they find it, there's not a whole bunch of pieces with it. If, they, if, a, if a common thug sees a slide in a vehicle unattended they're probably not going to steal it because they know they have to buy or steal another part that has to go with it so in many cases you're going to avoid somebody stealing those things it's very unlikely you're going to have a gunsmith breaking into your vehicle that can use that part on a gun that he might be working on if you get my drift so definitely if you're staying at a shelter do a little bit of due diligence and figure out what you can or can't do And, uh, you know, I would look at it this way. If there's no no posted signs, if there is not a posted sign forbidding me from having a firearm with me in a shelter, (laughs) uh, don't ask, but I'm going to have a gun on me in that shelter. It may be in my my luggage. It may be in an ice chest. Um, It's going to be somewhere, but it's going to be with me. Um, Most of those places, uh, everyone I've ever seen on television or wherever else, has law enforcement at it anyway. So, uh, well, not the Superdome, if you were at the Superdome during Hurricane Katrina. uh, Yeah, that's a totally different story. Uh, It was was definitely not not civil in the Superdome, that's for sure. Um, And the last thing I want to mention about guns when it comes to that uh, evacuation, man, think about what you're leaving behind. Same, just like what I just discussed about being in your vehicle, a gun being left unattended in your vehicle. Think about what you're, what's being left behind. None of us wants to think uh, whenever this is going on that our home is being broken into, but you have to think about what if it gets broken into, because it very, very well could be. Um, you could have looters after the hurricane has passed that go through there and steal things. Um, so I think it's very important if you have gun safes at your house Make sure those gun safes are bolted down to something that's going to, a criminal doesn't want to spend any more time in a place that he's not supposed to be than he has to. So if you are properly bolting down, even if it's one of the small little safes in a drawer or something like that, or a small safe in a closet, if it's bolted to a stud, then this criminal is going to first have to, in many cases, the bolts are inside that you have to get to the bolts. Uh, inside the safe that will then bolt it through a stud if it's a smaller safe. So many times these thugs are not going to want to take their time to break into the safe only to get in there and, you know, uh, try to dislodge the safe or whatever. I mean, at that point, they can take what's in there. So if you create that little bit of a speed bump that's going to make that guy spend more time there, chances are he's going to take a couple of whacks at your safe and then he's going to keep going. Just doesn't want to get caught. You know, he knows he's in a place where he's not supposed to be. So that's something that you can definitely do. Um, if you have a big safe, you know, again, lock them up. Lock them up. What we're trying to do is we're trying to prevent these people from having an opportunity to get in there. I mean, you never know. There also could very well be, a, uh, you know, a storm coming in there and blow the top off. So, I mean, you're going to have firefighters and other folks coming in there, people coming in to check to see if you're, you know, if you made it, if you're still alive or whatever. So there's a number of reasons why it's good to lock that up. You know, kids. I mean, it could be kids after the hurricane blows through um, that that comes through. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's okay. But it, there could be kids that come through there. You know, we don't want a bunch of 14-year-old kids running around with your guns all over the neighborhood and throughout the city um, that don't belong to them. You know, that creates a huge, huge dangerous situation for us. Um, you know, it... In my case, if, if, if I'm forced to evacuate, uh, that's, that's unfortunately the situation I'm going to be faced with. What do I leave behind? You know, I would strongly recommend that even if it's not a round, we, we talked earlier about picking the right caliber, picking a common caliber that you want to bring with you. In my case, I have some guns that may not be in the most common caliber um, of today, but they're guns that I don't want to leave behind to risk either being damaged or stolen. I have a 1957 Colt Single Action Army 357 Magnum. Okay, that's not as common of a round as, say, nine mm and the other ones I mentioned earlier. As in today's world, it's just not. Not saying th- for those of you 357 lovers out there that are that are starting to get a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of foam coming out of your nose. I'm not saying that it's a totally uncommon round. It's not in the top three or four most common rounds. You know this. So easy on the hate mail. But I'm, I'm not going to bring that Colt single action army with me because it's a common round. I'm bringing it with me because it's my dad's, uh, God rest his soul. So that's my purpose for bringing that. So I would I would firmly, I mean, look, they say prepare for the best, expect the worst. Expect the house to get blown over. And if you have something that's not replaceable, man, I would find a way to take it with you. Uh, get you a good hard stiff uh uh, this is gonna sound like an oxymoron but i mean what i'm saying a nice stiff soft case if you have to that way you can pile more in there Um, or you can get one of the big hard cases that you can fit more than one gun in i mean that's something too i know that um oh gosh pelican pelican makes some great great hard cases in many cases there's an o-ring around them they're all they're waterproof also my biggest thing is if you're leaving stuff behind, make sure it's something you can replace that doesn't have sentimental value and uh, you know, maybe your nicer stuff, take it with you if you can. Uh, it's tough, man. That's a tough decision. I don't want I don't want to be faced with if I ever have to leave again. I don't know what I'm going to do. I will probably spend a lot of time um taking guns with me. I will probably end up taking them all with me. Um just maybe get someone else to drive another vehicle and just load them up. So th- that's what I wanted to bring out to you guys. The last thing I want to mention in terms of evacuations and uh, natural disasters is look guys, and th- this is, I'm going to say this as plainly as I can, but it's, it's pointed as I can. Don't fall into the trap of road rage. Do not find yourself in jail because you made a horrible decision and because you were the guy that was that was packing. You were the guy that had a loaded weapon with you, and you were going to get your way. Look, during... I'm not saying there's ever a time to do this, but during a natural disaster, and when all these people are evacuating, emotions are high, testosterone is rocking through your body. Everybody is representing their family, trying to protect their family, trying to get the edge, because you know, the daddy vibes are kicking in, man, don't be the one that's trying to prove you're the baddest SOB on the street because you got a Glock 19 strapped to your side. Don't be that guy, man. Don't get out waving a gun. Don't get out yelling, I got a gun. Don't create a situation. If you create a hostile situation and you end it with a gun, you'll probably go into jail you're most likely going to jail. So don't be that guy, man. Don't be that guy. If nothing else, have the peace of mind knowing that you've got a gun and if somebody approaches you and tries to do you harm, that you can defend yourself and your family. Don't have the gun on you thinking, I'm going to get my way if I need it over some stupid, silly traffic thing because there's going to be the jerks that get on that shoulder and try to haul butt and pass everybody up to get in front of all the cars whenever it's not going to save them any time. They're going to save 30 seconds by getting 50 cars up, and then they're going to come to a dead stop again. Okay, let them be the joke of the whole uh, uh, evacuation. You don't have to be the one that stops him. Don't try to play police officer. Again, emotions are running extremely high at that time, and people are stressed out, and... Everyone is a little bit closer to the edge. So please don't be that person. Uh, you know, our biggest goal is that everybody that's listening to us on here, we you get to listen to us a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and so on. You know, we don't want one-time listeners. And the last thing that we need also is to give the people on the left in the anti-gun movement any more fuel to... Look, they always try to pass these crazy laws during emotional times. Don't give them a reason to propose some stupid anti-gun legislation that kicks in whenever we have a natural disaster. Don't give some governor the idea that, hey, Billy over there shot Bobby during an evacuation. So guess what? Now, every time that we impose a mandatory evacuation, we automatically have some kind of a crazy martial law or some kind of a crazy anti-gun law that kicks into effect. That says, once we impose a mandatory evacuation, no one can have a gun on them. And I'm, being, I'm taking this to the extreme to make my point, but you see what I mean. Don't give left-wing anti-gun legislators fuel to create new laws by using you as the example as to why they made the law up against us honest law-abiding gun owners. Guys, that's going to do it for the day. I wish everybody, everybody on the road, all the luck in the world, please be safe. Please bring your normal things that you need. Please bring plenty of water, gasoline, food for the kids. Charge up those batteries, those iPods and all that because you're probably going to have some long waits and lines. Try to be a little bit patient if you can. Realize you're in it for the long haul. Hey, as long as the kiddos are doing good and they're preoccupied, you ought to be in pretty good shape. So please, 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 guys, keep your wits about you. Head on a swivel. Make sure you know what's going on around you, including the weather. Don't put yourself in a bad situation. Hey, if you're riding this thing out, don't put yourself in a dangerous situation. If you hear tornadoes coming, go run and jump in the bathtub in your own home. Find a safe place. Find a uh, what do they say in the middle of the room, uh, excuse me, in the middle of the house. Um, I know in my house I have a, um, a pantry that is a very small room. So I know that it's got boards and everything is really tightly built inside there. And that's probably the safest place in my house because it's in the center of my house. And it's a small room where those, the re- it's reinforced a whole lot better than any other long wall would be that's where I would go. So I just want you guys to be safe. I really wish everyone the best of luck on the East coast. Uh, we're praying for you guys. Hope everything works out. Okay. And, uh, you know, tune in tomorrow. We'll be back on here again, trying to give you a little bit of advice. Hopefully we have some good news for all of you, uh, that has Hurricane Florence bearing down on them tomorrow. But, uh, I hope this helps guys. Um, as always, you can email me at Paul at legally Again, that's Paul at LegallyArmedAmerica.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, um, ProveIt.video, YouTube, all those places. We're everywhere. And we look forward to seeing you guys back here tomorrow. Be safe, guys. Please, we're praying for you. We'll talk to you soon.